What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Sorry we didn't get one out last week. Fourth of July week uh, was very busy, and I, I had all intentions of getting one done, and the next thing I knew it was Saturday, and it just never happened. So uh, I got a got a uh, another captain from North Carolina on today. Excited to have him on here. We've been trying to do it for a little while. I think I text him every time we get a bad weather day. I'm like, hey, can you go today? And, and we, we keep trying to make it happen, but we made it happen this morning, so we're stoked. Um, and I will introduce him here in a second beforehand. Uh, definitely go check out the Facebook group, uh, Eastern Current Fishing on Facebook. Um, you can find us on Instagram, on YouTube, and on all the podcast platforms. So if you haven't checked any of those out, definitely go check them out. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce Captain Andy Bates. What's going on, man? What's happening? Oh, nothing much, man. I'm, I'm stoked we were able to uh, to get a podcast going. I've, yeah, uh, man. been looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been a follower of yours online for for a while and i'm like man i know if we lived near each other we'd be buddies because <laughs> got the big beard <laughs> you you fish similarly to me so i'm like you'd like to shoot ducks too so um yeah. stoked that we're able to at least start a uh start an online friendship here um but yeah so so thanks for coming on why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are where you kind of grew up how you got into fishing how you started guiding where you are and and just give us your kind of your little your little backstory all right well i'll try to make it short and sweet uh so uh, I grew up as a, a Navy brat, if you want to call it that. My dad retired Navy, so I've lived a little bit all over the place, Virginia. Uh, spent a, a good portion of my adolescence, like 10 to 16 years old, in Washington State, you know, on the Puget Sound. So that's where I really, nice. you know, started, you know, getting my love for the salt water specifically and, and learning the salmon fishing and, and uh, you know, fly fishing for trout. Started duck hunting out there and then come to North Carolina in 2003 with Marine Corps and, uh, my wife from Pennsylvania, she said she wouldn't never go back to Pennsylvania, so <laughs> here we are, and, you know, uh, yes, I've been fishing North Carolina down here on the coast hard since 04, 05-ish, yeah. 06, we really started, and, uh, very fortunate to fall into a good group of guys in the Cape Lookout Fly, uh, fly Club specifically, and, and then some others, and just really d- developed a passion for everything down here, and, you know, kind of always pictured myself as a guy, but more of like an out west big game slash trout fly fishing guide and right. you know stayed here and put everything together and a lot of help along the way has kind of got me to where I'm at now. Heck yeah. yeah. I think that's a lot of people's vision as as guiding at first. Like, you know, when you're young, you're like, I think I want to be a guy when I'm older. Like you picture like being an elk hunting guide or like yeah. guiding pheasant out in South Dakota or something like that. <laughs> and then some of us end up here on the East Coast and I wouldn't change it for a thing. I, I love it over here, but no, it's, uh, we've got we've got an awesome place down here. Obviously, we have our issues and everything like everywhere else. But to be you know as well-rounded, not only just it's just super diverse fishery all up and down our coast here for sure, and in hunting opportunities as well. But yeah, it's it's hard to leave. You, you know, get a few days off or whatever. People would go here and there. <laughs> There's still a lot of stuff I like to learn and explore down here. I know, I know. It's it's crazy how diverse our coast is from, you know, the South Carolina line to the Virginia line. And really so where you are. I mean, you've got, you know, just north and just south of you, like completely different bodies of water that fish totally differently. Has that been something that has, I feel like at first it's probably intimidating, but, but afterwards it's probably really exciting to like have that diversity around and being able uh, to. Absolutely. We actually, the house we're currently living in, we specifically picked this location so I can be five minutes from, you know, the tidal marshes around Beaufort and 
15 minutes from the Neuse River. Yeah. And, um, just, we actually bought a house in this location so we could, you know, capitalize on, on, on it all. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's uh, it, it really is. The grass is always greener, though, sometimes, whether it's like, oh, I wish I was out in, or I was in the Keys or I was in Montana or like a lot of times I find myself drooling over y'all's fishery and stuff up there. You know, and, and I talked to some buddies up there and like, man, we wish we had that clean water that y'all have, but you really have like a good mixture of the two, like right where you are. I think you got the best blend of, of both worlds. So, um, yeah. you've got a bunch of like tidal stuff that you fish and you got a bunch of pretty slack water. So I'm excited to kind of pick your brain. I think today we're, we were talking, we're going to kind of focus on, um, on redfish. Um, and so I think that you'll, you'll be a really good, you know, voice of reason as far as having all that type of fishing right there in front of you what do you find yourself drawn more to in, in the red fishing is there is there like a, a, a type of estuary that you, that's close to you that that you prefer to redfish i mean obviously the the sexy tidal marshes with super clean water and the grass flats is you know it's pretty textbook stuff but there's they you know there's something to be said about just a nasty blow day and going up you know to the sound and, and bait fishing of you know the white water and getting into big schools of fish like that too so pretty much whatever the best conditions for that particular day is is what i'm looking forward to fishing you know yeah. if it's covering if it's covering ground and making a lot of blind cast on you know shorelines or, or, or you know uh, flats and drops off up on the sound or if you know the tide and the winds are perfect and it's more of you know doing stuff like i assume y'all do a lot of down there the, the, the flats fishing stuff you know whatever the conditions allow and then you know some days we're fishing structured with we cut bait so i don't know obviously the the tidal marsh and, and grass flat stuff is you know probably the most appealing but not every day it's conducive you know productive going to be productive right so. Yeah, I think that's uh, that just comes with time is knowing where you need to be and when, you know. The, people always ask me, they're like, what is, this is a question I get all the time, just guiding. is like, what's the best tide for redfish, to catch redfish? And I'm like, my, my answer is always, it really just depends on the spot, like where you're fishing. And, and you, you deal with some very non-tidal stuff as well, but you also fish a lot of the tidal stuff. And it's like redfish, I mean, there's tides where they get a little more active, but they're they're pretty, you know, they're going to eat if something's in front of them. You, if you're where they are at the right at the tide that they're there, they're they're probably going to eat. Um, right, absolutely. And, and if you and me are fishing the same general areas, or my buddy Will, or any of these other guys fishing the same general areas, well, heck, I might be on a have you know a pretty solid bite on a high tide, but not far away, and I don't know anything about it. And they've got a solid bite on a low tide, right. doing something a little bit differently. So it's all on you know what you kind of stumble across and, and and get a pattern going on is what you what you're gonna you know go with for sure i used to always be get get worked up about you know when someone else was catching fish somewhere at a different tide that i didn't understand i'd be like god I need, but but now it's almost encouraging to me it's like all right there's still a lot for you to learn like i still there's still so many things for me to put together and learn that's constantly shifting and changing so what used to freak me out and frustrate me now is like an encouragement of like, cause, cause sometimes you, I'm sure you know how it is. You'll get in a rut of like fishing the same stuff and, and then it gets a little slow and you're like, golly, the fishing sucks here. But it's like, wait, look, let's look back at my last two weeks. I've been doing the same freaking thing. I probably beat these fish up or it's changing a little bit. And, and I think that, you know, I, I know everything like, but there's our, John over here is catching all these fish. It's like, 
you know, it pushes me to change what I'm doing and, and constantly be learning. I feel, I feel like as soon as I, we become stagnant as fishing guys is when we start oh, yeah. struggling. You definitely, you know, have to have an open mind every single day, willing to, willing to learn and willing to adjust and stuff. But, you know, kind of slightly on that topic, slightly off topic, uh, the social media stuff and people's all the time, you know, whether guides or just serious recreational guys putting up, somebody's going to have a good day. Right. Every day. Yeah. And whether it's, and you just comparing yourself to other people, you, you can't fall in that funk, you know, you no. get guilty of it too. And, uh, and you know, as well as I do, you know, uh, if a serious guy that gets to fish a lot that's not carrying clients, that's a totally different ballgame than guys that are trying to get clients and stuff sometimes definitely. And, and, and beginners to fish. So you definitely can't fall in that funk of trying to compare yourself to other people because somebody's going to have a good day, whether it's you or, or the 10 million other people that's posted up every redfish they can. Right. So, no, I'm with you, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I've definitely been very guilty of that, of, of allowing myself to get frustrated with myself or, or not depressed, but just like in a total funk of like, golly and pissed because someone else is catching them. And you never know if they're being honest or dishonest or, or whatnot on social media. Stuff like that all the time too. But you know, not to dwell on that, but just the mental side of things, Right. you know, if somebody, a serious fisherman really want to go out and learn, you know, specifically redfish, but anything in general, man, you just got to keep that positive, clear mental attitude all the time and don't try to compare don't just focus on what you need to learn and what's happening in front of you. Yeah. And you know, these podcasts and videos and stuff nowadays it's great for people to learn stuff off of, but nothing replaces nothing even compares to time on the water. Not even close. And have an open mind. That's another thing, you know, that I'll be honest, I don't hardly ever watch fishing videos or unless my boy's watching them and I happen to be in the room. But and we try to share, you know, people like us try to share as much knowledge as we can to help people. But at the same time, we need to convey that, you know, this isn't black and white. Nothing is black and white in fishing, you know, or in, in anything in the outdoors or in the wild, man. Because you could be doing the same thing for 50 years and, and then still every day see something that kind of blows your mind like, dang, I would have never thought of that. But if you keep <laughs> that open mind, you can see those little things. Definitely. Definitely. I, I like the way you put that. I've never had someone say it like that but that it's not black and white it's 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 just constantly changing there's like trends but trends can change and shift and And i'm with you 100 percent. like there is excuse me absolutely nothing that replaces that time on the water um and and really like you know watching videos and listening to podcasts it helps but it can't hurt you you can get too sucked into following the little tiny things that people are saying instead of just getting out there and letting the, the water and the fish show you what you need to be doing. Yeah, so. you, obviously you want to absorb as much knowledge, whether it's from, you know, fishing with great guys and, and pushing your limits or your abilities like that, and from the podcast, YouTube video stuff. You want to re- absorb as much as you can, but then you still got to have an open mind and don't miss the big picture while you're out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. So when... when, when one turn diving out in the middle of the bay, you know, and you kind of see that, see something that's... But um, there, there would never be no redfish over there. Well, hell, there might be 200 of them there. You know? <laughs> yeah, the, dude, that's the best thing nowadays is when you're just completely surprised and, like, dumbfounded. At, they're not supposed to be doing this, you know, and you get out there and, and there's fish where you're, uh, you're not supposed to be. Mm. We caught, I caught one of my, my people yesterday. We landed a 45-inch old drum. 
in a school of slotfish, which it was it was mixed in two feet of water. That's right? awesome. But you're not supposed to do that because the big drum only show up in August in September around the full moon, and you can only catch them on artificials around pogey bait balls right. in 12 and a half to 13 and a half feet of water. There, yeah, yeah. That's the, people have it locked, so you got to throw that stuff out. I've seen them fish the day before and didn't, couldn't get any big ones to eat, and then, you know, we just happened to, out of the school, hook, hook one and missed a few other, you know, big fish. That's awesome. And, that's super But they're cool. not supposed to be there. Right, right, cool. right, right. Well, <laughs> just like, it's, one thing that just popped in my head is when I'm like, you know, clients are working a topwater plug. I'm like, all right, never stop the topwater plug for redfish. And then, then they like throw it out. Then they turn around, they're talking to me, and a redfish smokes it while it's sitting still in the water. I'm like, all right, don't listen to anything uh, I'm saying. You know, uh, when we get into big popping corks for the old drum, um, once we really start hitting that stuff hard, I've had, I, I think I can remember three times, you know, that's a lot of work and it can be a grind, right? right. So when we're doing this, and a, and a lot of anglers don't really realize, and especially, you know, if somebody wants to sit down and kind of halfway work the cork and it's like dragging behind the boat. And I'm like, man, we need to, you know, cast the head of the boat. And you're probably not going to ever get eat back there. <laughs> <laughs> like right away. It's happened like three times. I'm like, no, you, you really need to cast the head of the boat and work. So, yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, oh man that's that's so true it's it's constant man it's constantly like it's just a little gut check like but but you're trying to be you're trying to go off those past trends and things that have happened and be helpful but, motivated right, and all right. that stuff and it's just funny when it happens and then what do they do everybody else wants to start <laughs> yeah everyone throws them behind the boat you're like oh gosh this is not good <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's super funny. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I, I kind of like where this is going and talking about, you know, being flexible in the water and kind of going off of what you're seeing. So so when you are starting a day, are, do you oftentimes start like you've got your plan the night before? You, you, this, you know, where you're going? Is it like a very tight-knit plan? Or are you the kind of guy that's like, I think I'm going to start here. We'll get out there and see what the wind's doing. How does How does your kind of planning process go for a day on the water? A lot of times I'll have like a, a good solid mental plan. More times than not, we're gonna, you know, veer away from some of that. You know, veer away from it at some point. Uh, depending, you know, obviously, always the wind is doing something different than what we think it's gonna do. Right. And right. The wind to me plays, you know, especially on the noose and, and the sound, the panic of sound. Uh, the wind is it's almost everything up there, yeah. depending on where it's coming, how hard it's blowing, if, if it's pushing water in or, or sucking water out. But even, you know, down the Beaufort, uh, Moorhead area, fishing the tides, you know, especially artificial fishing. So, yeah, I'd say I have a good mental plan, but almost never stick to it 100%. Right, right. I'm not super technical, not super by the book, so, you know, I'm not the sound all like philosophical or something but just kind of feel get the feeling for the morning you know? for sure i might not sure. take it to my first spot that i've got in mind before i start changing course just because <laughs> i don't feel it. yeah that's that's like me i usually roll into a day with you know three four spots that like i want to want to hit at maybe a certain tide that day and then there's like a lot of filler and then that might change dependent upon if i get on one bank and it's really good and i'm like oh crap you know and then something pops in my head i need to go over here and check this area um, when I used to guide down Louisiana, man, I would have like a pretty strict plan I would follow. I mean, I, I'd kind of break it a little bit, but but 
I would really sit there and look at the wind in the morning because it's such so much water. That's why I was wondering with the Pamlico and the noose if if you had something you fought a little bit more. But I, I would kind of you know plan my run out, protected little edges and fish stuff like that. But here with with it being smaller water, I definitely kind of fly by the seam of my pants a lot more. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely you know when we're on the artificial stuff, which is you know ninety percent of what I do yeah. probably. Uh, is trying to get on the leeward side of something and i might plan on going in the back of the bay to look for for reds but then see a lot of life out but a point maybe change gears and trout fish for a little while you know a straight stretch and, yeah you know so it just kind of yeah for yeah. sure a lot of flying by sea pants but with like a, a decent direction <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that, that sounds good um so, what are some of the, the some of the trends you're looking for this time of year for redfish in, in your area? Um, you know, and, and maybe kind of go into your more coastal area and then your your coastal river area a little bit as well. Yeah, so more down on the, the coastal and with the you know, so well, real quick, so and, and I don't know if we've really clarified it. Some people might not be aware that the news from the Pan Coast Sound it's a primarily is all a wind driven tide, not lunar driven tide. Yeah. So. Coastal area is more lunar, lunar driven tide where you can actually read the you know, tide table and be out there and know, you know. So, yeah, we actually have tide changes. So, down there, um, most of what, you know, I like to do down that way is going to be high tide fishing um, the, the flats and not necessarily, not like Spartina grass flats or right, anything right. like that. Just big sand grass flats, oyster bars, you know, hard bottom kind of stuff as well around the edges so that's that's primarily when i'm looking to uh, do that i'm i'm wanting a high tide that i can fish you know start getting in there a couple hours before and then still be able to fish it a couple hours after so a really early high tide or really late high tide in the daylight hours it's challenging yeah uh, you know you might not get as much time that and then we'll have to fill part of the day or a trip with you know running out and casting for spanish or bluefish or something close by so that's that's one benefit of fishing that stuff down that way is, is we've got some really good backup plans if yeah either a the fish move they don't show up that sucks for whatever reason or we only have you know two hours for whatever reason to fish that stuff and still got a four you know a couple hours left on the trip mm-hmm. we can go do other things but yeah so the summertime you know i like seeing lots of bait Mullet shrimp is the bomb, yeah. you know, but bait, I want to see life and, you know, um, something Will kind of, uh, Will Jones was talked on your thing before. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so my, you know, I'm fishing, I'm nothing sexy or anything, just a big utility flat skiff is what I'm fishing. Mm-hmm. And so I can, it's, I can get pretty shallow with it. But just because I can get on that tide, and this is what I'm getting at that Will told me, just because I can get on some of these flats doesn't mean the fish are there. Right. So I might be wasting time, you know, and he's fishing a bay boat, so it takes him a little bit longer to get on some of these areas. But, and I'm, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm still learning all this stuff, man. So um, all the time learning. So it's just timing when to be on the on the flats is is, is just because you can get there doesn't mean the fish are going to be there. 100%. Man, I couldn't agree with that more. And that's something I learn more and more every year because every little spot or like even an edge of a flat or or a part of a bank, fish will start to use it at a different tide. And they know. They're waiting. They know when the most productive time right. for them to be on a spot is. 
And so when right. you can learn that and you can time your day around like when to slide into areas and on areas, if you're fishing like turns around big time. I, and I see that yeah. a lot in our like lower Cape Fear River, through our Cape Fear River. You get up into like the, the real tight creek stuff around Wrightsville, Topsville, and all that. Those fish are more like just kind of locked into spots back in these little tight creeks and it doesn't play true as much. But, but you get into bigger bodies of water and those fish are like, you know, they're like a, you know, a well-timed machine as far as when they, they use certain spots. Do you, do you see that a good bit on some of that stuff up there as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the higher that tide gets, the tighter they push to, like, the actual uh, exposed grass. Right. Shorts and stuff like that. So, uh, and then pretty much just I like to uh, get up wind on an area that I want to work, whether it be a shoreline or a really pretty grass flat, and, and try to get up wind drift so how you make the least amount of noise as possible running the trolling motor as little as possible and make you can make longer casts with the wind throwing top water and, yeah you know spoons whatever you know your bait of choice is which well you know everybody has their own theory and as i was just telling somebody yesterday and i've told i've told a lot of people this and something else i picked up from a, a good friend gary dubio uh the best bait to throw is the one that you got the most confidence in yeah that's very true. We'll call, top, we'll call it, you know, we've got to have this special top water, you know, this color, that color. Obviously, I've got my favorites. You've got your favorites. Will has his favorites. And we could all go out and do really good or really bad with the same. It's, but or we all just kill it with it because we're fishing that color or that specific bait with confidence every single cast. If, right. if you give me a color and I'm like, dang, I hate this color. I don't never catch nothing on this. I'm not going to fish it like I mean it, so I'm not going to catch anything on it. Right. But you can spank it on that same one. Right. Right. That's funny. The other day, uh, I, was, I was running a double boat trip with with my buddy Alan Kane down here, and we're we were bait fishing for the. Well, I was bait fishing. I had a dad and two kids that had really never fished, and he had yeah. the brother-in-law and his son that had done a bunch of fishing. So they were doing some bait fishing and some artificials. I was just bait fishing. Alan had like a six inch chartreuse like paddle tail on. I was like, God, dude, he's not gonna catch crap with that thing. Like, I don't, no one, I don't fish that down here this time of year. And he caught like four redfish on it and a twenty five inch trout. And I was like, well, Dang, I need to start fishing a, fishing a, uh, a paddle tail, like a big chartreuse paddle tail. So, right. Uh, so you know, if if you like a gold spoon, throw your gold spoon. If you like the dark copper spoon or a certain brand or with a little skirt or without a little skirt or a silver spoon, whatever you got best confidence in. Make long casts, cover ground until you can start. And the more you pick these spots apart, the more that you'll learn, okay, I like this typically holds the fish. This, I've never caught a fish in this 90% of the area, but every time I come through here, I, I get a bite or two over here or find a school in, in this area. That, and so you really just key in on those areas. Yeah. Uh, but kind of back to, you know, you were talking about bait fishing with kids, and we briefly talked about this before we started. Uh, um, and I tell people all the time, the one the one that, which redfish are just awesome anyway. Yeah. But it's, and, you know, in my mind, you know, on a technical pulling skiff and casting the tailors and stuff, it's like the holy grail. But what's so awesome about redfish is no matter your style or what you like or your skill level, redfish accommodate you. Yeah, right? yeah they do. So we can get the flats or if that, you know, for whatever reason, which we're starting to get a lot of pressure in some of our areas so that's going to you know that that doesn't help things on the really shallow water fish so for whatever reason you're, you're you can't fish that stuff 
Man, get some cut bait and, and go and fish structure, dock, some pilings, drop off deep water. You know, if you got kids and, uh, you know, obviously we got little kids or, or anglers that don't get to fish that much, we're, they, they can't be on the bow of a, a little skiff, you know, casting 70 feet to a tailor, obviously. <laughs> so let's go show them a good time and we'll go spot lock or, or anchor up on some of these areas and, and bait fish and, and give them some fish. Definitely. And, uh, but that's what's that's all was one of the things that's so awesome about redfish is no matter what your style is you can do it you got a big boat and it's blowing 30 up on the sound there's nothing a red drum loves better than rough water yeah whether it's on the surf on the sound you know and obviously those those uh type of conditions aren't conducive for throwing artificial lures or flies but man they really get turned on with that with that white water with the bait fishing yeah. So whatever can you know, and people love to do that. And you know, whatever whatever floats your boat, you can do with redfish for sure. And man, honestly, like it's like the grass is always greener. And I do a lot of the shallow water stuff, but like recently, I've been just so jealous talking to people up there. I'm like, I would love to just have the bait fishing in the sound on blown out like just blown up banks you know white water like that just sounds so much more fun than any of it to me now it's like but then i'd go do that for three months and then i'd be like oh i want to go you know sight fish redfish and so that's how it goes it's not something i want to do all the time but like i said you get people and they want they have one day that they can fish they took vacation to this they come in a long ways instead of making them grind it out on a time you might could find some spots and get a couple bites or something like that but instead of like just totally grinding it out and if they're down with it and they're not super skilled, you know, we go out and, you know, we'll just do the bait thing. Definitely. You know? Definitely. People, but man, no matter what they say, once you start catching some fish, they don't, they, they'll they they'll stop talking about how yeah. they just want to throw a fly rod. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's super cool. One thing that you said a second ago that really, st- like, stood out to me, I think a lot of people make this mistake is you were talking about as the tide gets higher, the fish get closer and closer to the grass. But a lot of the areas you're fishing up there, like, uh, you know, you're not necessarily fishing the bank. You're fishing off the bank. You're fishing secondary edges and whatnot. Um, How much do your fish relate to the bank in those areas? Like, how important is it to kind of push yourself to not fish up tight to the bank at times? Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Just kind of from what... If, if, if this is down in the coastal stuff with the, the, the you know the lunar tides you can find them in the deeper edges and stuff like that with the cut cutouts on but for the most part well, if it's just like a grass point or island or whatever and it's you can see six eight inches of the mud exposed and it's not like a cut around like where it ain't washed out and any deeper yeah most of the time those fish aren't going to push up on to my opinion a lot of the areas i like to fish yeah the fish really are i'm not going to pound those shorelines until that water starts getting into that grass right like i said right. it goes back to just because i can get there with my boat doesn't mean the fish are going to be there they're still for the most part either going to be you know on a, a little two or three four foot cut around where an oyster bar and some currents moving at that point or they're going to be out or two, three, four hundred yards off, they might be way off, right. off the shoreline, out on a flat. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's can be, you know, that time can be a little bit trickier finding. That's where you just, you know, two or three good anglers and just making long cast, fan casting, and drifting with them, and and until you can locate yeah. them like that, yeah. and just hope. And you know, I'm shooting for a few single bites here, or there, with always 
in every day wanting to find that school of fish. You know, some days you find a school, some days you just pick away and you get, you know, your six, 12, 15, you know, whatever, single bites and, and then just have that mind ready where I, I want to find that school, but you've got to make them long casts down ahead of the boat. That way you can get the boat to stop before you spook anything. For sure. You know? that That's a good point, man. That was happening to me as I was getting blown down a bank and, um, you know, we had a blow up on the top water out of a school and it was too close because we weren't getting long enough cast and, that, and it was mostly my fault because of the way I was kind of angling the boat. But but the same thing happened. We had that one blow up, and I'm like, with the push pole sticking it, trying to stop the boat. The fish are waking towards the boat, and I <laughs> blew them all out. And then, you know, another group came. Same thing happened because we weren't given enough, enough space. But, but yeah, it's, you know, you get sucked in sometimes, like, picking out little spots instead of really just trying. You, need, you really need one person, like, picking stuff apart and another person just covering that distance. Uh, Absolutely. So. And then, you know, it's talking about the more inland stuff on the sound and everything, uh, a lot of that stuff is shoreline, you know, we're more, more shoreline dependent, especially if the water's, you know, which the water raises and falls up there, it's just not on the schedule. So if the water's in the grass, and we, I don't want most of the time until I get a pattern for that day, I'm not going to have everybody pound the shoreline because a lot of nice trout come from uh, a forecast off the outside of the boat. Right, right. And that's, yeah, so I know people get tired of hearing me say, long cast down there or cast off the far side of the boat. And it's hard, especially if you got somebody that's bass fishing a lot and, or bass fishing some and they just want to pound that bank, pound that bank. Right. And then their kids like flip out half a cast behind us off to the side and catch a 24 inch trout, you know, popping <laughs> Right. For sure. For well, sure. You know, that's a little bit different than the red fishing down there, but yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, it's and then I don't know. It just you get two bites off the side of the boat. You know, the deep side of the boat, working in shorelines. Then it's like, okay, you might be on to something here. Then maybe they're not, you know, home tight to shoreline today, or. Uh, a lot of people up this way, what I noticed, they get super, and this is the one thing I got kind of mad at over the last weekend, get very uh, point and spot like mentality. Like, oh, I got to run, fish this point, I'm going to make 10 casts. If I don't get a bite, I'm going to run to the next point. Right, right. And I'm, I'm just like slowly working edges in between these points and picking away at, you know, trout and drum and flying or everything. And I'm just watching these all these boats just point to point to point to point to point moving around. Right, right. It, yeah, it's it, you know you get a little bit of confidence built sometimes, and you you start to run with it too early instead of like fully letting the you know the day unfold. And right. everybody can be a victim of that, but man, it, it is frust- oh, yeah. it is frustrating when you do it yourself or when you see other people you know doing it. But um, but yeah, that that's that's cool. Is there any so if you're fishing artificials around there, what do you? And I know we were talking about whatever you're confident in, but what is your confidence? Bates for okay, redfish. so uh, this time of year, uh, redfish specifically, I'm liking uh, top water, gold spoons, darker stained waters, you know, the spinnerbait stuff. Yep. But popping cork is still, you know, dynamite, just an oval, egg shaped popping cork, two foot leader, whatever, and uh, eight ounce jig head, three or four inch soft plastic, either shrimp or a paddle tail. Uh, yeah. Most of our water up there is. For the most part, it's going to be fairly stained, so brighter colors, uh, typically 
typically work better white chartreuse that type of thing so the pop of cord super effective uh, and if you're just if you're not like totally just like all in one is redfish you know because if we catch the trout to eat a spoon or whatever if you're covering the flat but they don't eat it in as frequently as like if I target a trout, I'm not going to throw a spoon. Right. Me personally, right. so the pop of cork's just a, a really good method to to locate to and pick apart an area. Sure. Uh, this way. So Do you fish many hard baits? Top water. Oh. Is, you know, I cover ground and scout with the top water. You know, if you can get a couple rolls, even if you don't, you know, hook them or whatever. All right, then we're going to stop stop here and pick a pick apart this this area and kind of dissect it with the pop and cork's and, and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Do you find yourself fishing many subsurface hard baits up there in the summertime? I don't. I'm not yeah. a huge MR guy or anything like that. So For sure. You could. I'm sure the guys that fish those that like to fish those can get away with, you know, probably have pretty good fishing on them. Uh, same, you know, if you really technical, you could you could work um, a swim bait with like jig head as well. Right, right. Uh, if, the water, if the water's clean enough. Uh, you're like me though if i'm gonna be blind casting like you might as well be throwing something with a lot of presence in the water like something that's loud and colorful uh, and they're gonna see and key in on you know and you and i going out fishing i'm like you know uh we when we go out with clients that might fish a little bit differently right the way we fish and but you know as bad as i don't know to say you know we get a whole wide range of clients so the popping cork is a technique that most people can pick up on be effective yeah walking the dog with you know a skitter walk can be it can be challenging for a lot of people you know we'll try if i think the conditions are right try to get them and some people just aren't going to pick it up in a five-hour trip or whatever so we've got to kind of figure out what we can do uh, with what the skill levels we're working with and so i really i really like the popping corks up on the side it's, it's an effective way to fish i'll tell you this and you probably already, you might already know that or, or try these or use this but man i picked up a couple wake baits like two years ago for clients like if the top water bites good and i've got someone that can't throw a plug and you just pitch that wake bait out there and just reel it back to the boat it's like a square bill and just wobbles hard pushes a v like a mullet and sometimes yeah. i'm like changing the dude that can walk the dog over to a wake bait because they're eating the wake bait better but um, it's been a good filler for people and, and I, I feel like more times than not this, the, the walk the dog plug is sti- is usually the superior topwater bait but but if someone's like man I really want to catch one on topwater and they can't get that walk down because you know how important it is I mean sometimes they're just going to eat it because it's moving on the surface but a lot of times it's like it's got to have that exact cadence it's got to be right yeah uh, and I like to throw popper you know uh, just a chug bug or whatever yeah. for, for striped bass and for trout but i can't get slot redfish to eat a popper so yeah it's like i don't know if you've ever run into i've struggled where you, yeah I, I don't know if i've ever caught i'm sure we have but just so the walk the dog and is the technique but i have to have to check them other baits out yeah for sure it's the wake bait's a cool bait it's just simple and easy it's just a yeah. reel, and it got a. Most of them have like a heavier ball in it, so it makes still has a good knock to it as it wobbles back and forth. But, uh, but yeah, the the popping cork, man, it's a hard one to beat. It is a hard bait it's to beat. Popping cork, top waters, and then you know if you're finding some fish in shallower waters, the, the spoons, and you know. For sure, do you uh, when you're fishing an area up there? Let, let's just say on the sound because we talk a lot about 
the coastal marsh stuff because that's what I'm around mostly. Um, when you're in an area, how how long is is enough? Like, how, when do you know? Like, all right, they're not in here. The this spot's not working. I need to change it up. Like, what's kind of your your telling factor of, of when you need to move around? It's hard. To, it's hard to like make a black and white statement on that. I will probably typically fish an area longer than a lot of people would. I try to, you know, I tell people all the time there's a fine line between being patient, being hard-headed, and we're all the time, like, riding that line. And the longer I do this, the more patient I'm able to get, you know. Before I started guiding, I probably, or even when I'm fishing, I still catch myself doing it. I'm, I'm, it's easier for me to be patient and dissect an area when I'm not fishing. So if I still, like, feel pretty confident that, like, and these fish move a lot, okay? So they like certain areas, but right. just because I had them here today doesn't mean they'll be here tomorrow kind of thing. But if I'm seeing the bait and I just, like, feel it feels fishy, I'm going to keep covering shoreline until I run across a school of fish. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, I know that it bites me in the butt sometimes, but moving, moving around too much is going to bite you in the butt. You can't catch them while you're running. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I mean, there's obviously there's times where if the bait just like it's lifeless, there's no birds nowhere, there's no bait, nothing. I'm not gonna stay there very long. I might give it 20, 30 minutes or whatever, if it, and and just to, and keep moving, just to make sure I'm not missing something. But if I've got the life, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep fishing for the most part. That what you just, that scenario you just talked about always sucks guiding when like you run into a spot you come off plane you start pulling or you start trolling and you're like God this is I did not need to be here, but so often my pride is like I can't just hop back on the motor right away like sometimes I do and other times I'm like all right let's just keep looking you know I'm kind of, like I know I'm wasting our time. Absolutely, I've come off and put the trolling motor in and start man maybe not even hand like we're getting ready to hand rods out and look around I'm just like. All right, guys, we're we're moving. I'm not uh, feeling so I'm this. Yeah, moving. it's that weird fish yeah. sense that kicks in. <laughs> yeah, but then that's just all, it. All boils back down to confidence and time on the water. And, yeah, and nothing can replace that. Yeah, and the more you do it, that's why these guys, man, these old sauce, they they're obviously they they're smart, but just they've got that sense, and the only way you can get that sense is being out there doing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, sweet man. Well, we're at about forty minutes. We'll probably wrap her up. Is there uh, anything else you want to share, redfish wise? Any other any other stuff? It's been really good. I've enjoyed this podcast. So there's nothing that's completely- yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we wanted to try to cram in a little bit of everything from the flats up to the sound and everything in between with structure and deep water and stuff. And we're not super technical and break everything down, other than just kind of letting people know that everything is possible. Yeah. But you know, we could talk for four and a half hours on and not cover everything right 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 but just you know if anybody could take something away from this just have an open mind when it comes to fishing in general but specifically redfish because no matter what your style or the area that you like to fish more than likely you can you can catch redfish doing that type of style for sure for sure most definitely um tell people uh where they can find you if they want to book a trip what your website is and and all that stuff my website's captainbaits.com and that's spelled out. It's uh, com and I'll have all that linked you guys too for if you're listening or watching the watching on YouTube. Um, so you can you can slide on over and, and hit him up and book a trip. Um, and, and you've got you're you're about to start up your bull redfish stuff here pretty soon, aren't you? End of August. Yeah, we're uh, right, the last 
you know, and it's like nothing's on the counter. Like I said, we've all, we've already been catching some, but you know, the last week of July, I'll probably really start focusing and trying to put some patterns together on some schools of fish, and then you know, starting August and September, really grind hard on uh, on the big fish. Yeah, sweet. Sweet, sweet. You still have some openings for that if people want to reach out and go yeah, target those big absolutely. bull clusters. still have plenty of openings in August and September on that. So. Well, yeah, if y'all want to catch big, big redfish, definitely definitely hit uh, Andy up for, for that time frame. Um, but I'm looking here. I've had my monitor pulled up, too, and my son's waking up on the thing. He's not. He's been – he got some shots yesterday, and he is not sleeping good. So he's got a little Poor fever son. running. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad for him. But, but, man, thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to do another one. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad we are able to make it happen. would love to, to do some more, and um, and I uh, hope you all were able to learn a little bit about some red fishing and uh, definitely be encouraged like I was that – just keep moving and, and let that good day kind of tell you what you need to need to do. So sometimes you can get sucked into pattern or a little rut, but 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 keep on grinding. All right, guys, we'll see y'all next week. Later.